morning. Welcome to City Center Church Podcast. I'm here with uh, Gabriel Steinman, and we're in a different location today. We're at my house just due to some technical difficulties, so you might hear some dogs barking, a garbage truck going by, um, seagulls squawking, because we are sort of a little bit close to the ocean. How are you doing today, Gabriel? Good morning, listeners. Hi, Dave. Um, yeah, it's it's an honor to, to come to you from uh, this exquisite residence. Uh, people, <laughs> I, I can do a whole podcast just on, on this residence. Uh, minimalistic styling. Uh, it, it looks so nice. Uh, I'm, I'm really uh, seriously impressed. The only thing I see too much of is guitar cases, <laughs> but I guess that's an artist thing. <laughs> yeah, lots of... Uh, that's it. Very. I went to a party in Nashville, and I'm telling you, fifty guitar cases. <laughs> it was really. You just had to have a trailer to put them in. <laughs> anyway, today on the podcast, we're talking about Mark chapter ten and verse forty-six, and this is uh, commonly known as Blind Bart or Blind Bart Timaeus. So I'll just read that now. Uh, then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called him to the blind. So they called to the blind man, "Cheer up! On your feet! He's calling you!" Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. "What do you want me to do for you?" Jesus asked him. The blind man said, "Rabbi, I want to see." "Go," said Jesus. "Your faith has healed you." Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. So there we go. Yeah, so for starters, uh, let's just backtrack a little uh, to the passage that we did last week, uh, because uh, last week's passage, uh, just uh, before uh, this one, it actually mirrors this one uh, as as a kind of a polar opposite. Um, so Dave, I, I've said this before, uh, when Mark is writing his gospel, he, he constantly have, has two questions at the back of his mind. Uh, who is Jesus? And how do I relate to him? Now, in the previous passage, it, it, it was kind of a negative answer that he gave to those two questions. You know, this is who Jesus is not, <laughs> and you shouldn't relate to him in this way. You shouldn't uh, think he's a kingmaker, and you shouldn't ask him how, uh, how he could, like, promote you. <laughs> um, and in this passage, it's, it's like Mark is saying, but, but listen, this guy got it. And I think the great irony between these two passages is that a blind man actually sees Jesus more clearly than his own close disciples did. Uh, he had a better sense of who Jesus was and how to relate to him. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so that's really, really interesting to me. Like the one who was in need, most in need of mercy and throwing himself at the feet of Jesus, as opposed to the disciples who were hanging out with him every day. That's just a really interesting juxtaposition yeah. to me. Um, and uh, <clears throat> so we, we, we also read an interesting thing. This this man is actually named, if you think uh, about the, the rich young ruler in the same uh, chapter, 
you know, we never hear his name, right. this man is named, but also in a way is not named because Bart Timias actually means son of Timias. Mm. And it is speculated that this man's father uh, could have been a high-ranking official or a man of some status. Mm. And, you, you know, for him to be known as the son of this man uh, gave him some leverage. Uh, it's speculation. Uh, we're, we're not dead sure about that. To me, the theory makes sense. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so then they came to Jericho. Yeah. With a large crowd. I mean, when I read this at first, I went, wow. Okay, so there's like a gang hanging out with Jesus. And they're leaving the city. That would be an unusual, would it not be an unusual sight to be have a whole sort of mob of people following one person around? Well, uh, yes and no. Uh, there were uh, rabbis and wow. they would typically walk and, and you know, it, it, I think it was a kind of a power display in, in the small also. Ah. You know, having disciples like walking with you, uh, hearing what you had to say. Mm. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't an everyday occurrence, but, but very important to note that it says that Jesus was leaving Jericho. Um, now, it is no small thing, uh, no small reason why he left Jericho. He was heading to Jerusalem. And what did he do in Jerusalem? He, he fulfilled his life's purpose, his mission, his call. Mm. Now, uh, that would be akin to somebody <clears throat> heading to his own wedding. Uh, you know, it, it wouldn't be far off to say that Jesus was heading to his wedding because uh, the church is his bride and he's about to lay down his life for his bride, right? Mm. And yet Jesus stopped. There's a verse, uh, we'll get to that, where it says Jesus stopped. And, and this begs the question, why would Jesus, heading to such a very important life event, take time to attend to this man? Uh, the, the, the answer is, this man has his identity right, and this man relates to him in a way that appeals to Jesus. Mm. And this, that makes this man somebody to take note of. Um. There's a plaque that I see sometimes at Christians' houses, and it says, you don't know Jesus is all you've got until, I can't remember now off the top of my head, Jesus is all you've got. Till, till he's the only one. Yeah, something yeah, like yeah, so that. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> we all saw that somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, this, this man, um, well, another interesting thing I would just like to point out uh, the, the story begins with, with saying something about his, his exact location. You know, it's not only Jericho, but he was at the side of the road. And the story ends with another location indicator saying he was on the road following Jesus. So in, in narratives, we all often talk about like character development. And, and this is the character development you've got with this guy. He's stuck by the side of the road and he ends up through his engagement with Jesus on the road, hmm. on his way, moving ahead. Um, and, and you know, that say, says something I think of, 
of what Jesus does with, with us all. Uh, you, you know, uh, somewhere we get stuck. Uh, we, we don't mm. know how to, to, to move forward. And right. then we engage with Jesus and, and what he does in our lives uh, heals us, makes us whole. And, and we also then get to be on the road uh, following him. So right. that's yeah. kind of another uh, interpretive grit, if you will, to, to understand what's happening in this passage. And I guess for me, he's begging, you know. Um, I mean, that's, can you, I've never begged in my life. I don't think I have, mm. as far as monetarily. Like, I mean, to sit on the side of the road or in front of the liquor store or something and beg and ask for change, for me, I would have to be in quite a state. I would have mm. to be desperate. Yeah, but what comes to mind with me is, is extreme vulnerability. Yes. To, 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 to beg, it's like you, you couldn't be more vulnerable to, to kind of ask somebody for something. You you said you never begged. You, you know, when, when I think of begging, I think of my dog, you know? So, yes. so um, <laughs> in that sense, sure. you could all, even argue that begging is kind of dehumanizing, you know? You know? Yeah. Uh, so uh, definitely not something anybody aspires to, uh, you know, to, to be a, a beggar. Um, yeah. And he was blind, uh, you yeah. know, and... Um, very vulnerable. Yeah, that's, that's just like a, a very... A vulnerable man being sketched here. So, um, sure. yeah. And uh, then he calls out to Jesus. And in in the Gospel of Mark, he's the very first person to call Jesus by this title. And I think the only person who calls Jesus by this title. Uh, he calls him Son of David. And uh, this is interesting because in, in Isaiah, Isaiah 9, you have the sketch of a day of the Lord that is coming, uh, an era where people will be healed. And it specifically mentioned that the blind will get to see. And then in Ezekiel uh, 34, it speaks of a son of David hmm. that will bring healing and again sight to the blind. Now, I, I want the listeners to, to kind of picture this. This man sitting at a busy corner. And, you know, usually with blind people, they, they have a heightened sense of hearing because they depend on their sure. hearing more uh, than we do. Right. So he would be following all the conversations, all the people going to the synagogue and coming back. And, you know, he obviously also heard the rumors about Jesus. And uh, he was knowledgeable when it came to scripture mm. and he kind of connected the dots yeah. and and he said but but this man and, and what he does and what people say about him that that links with what i know of ezekiel 34 and it not only links it links in a very personal way because i am blind so so this man brings hope to me so he personalizes Jesus, uh, right? Uh, we often say don't get personal. Well, <laughs> Jesus does get personal, yeah, he, he you sure know. Does. So it's a very personal um, kind of statement of faith uh, uh, when he calls Jesus this. And, and you know, Dave, if, if I'm in a crowd of strangers that doesn't know me mm -hmm. and you would shout my name, yeah. that would immediately make me pause. 
And this is what we see with Jesus. Mm. This man calls him out by name. Nobody else has called him before, not even his own disciples. And Jesus responds to that because that is his name. And, And it must have been special for Jesus heading to Jerusalem to be reminded of that. Because in the Old Testament, the role of Messiah, and I I don't think many people know this, it was intimately linked to healing, Uh, uh, especially in Ezekiel uh, uh, 34. Hmm. And and this man uh, um, calls out to Jesus as the healer, as the healer Messiah, and Jesus attends to him. Yeah. I mean, all this time I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, his reputation has preceded him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was thinking, what would be the comparable today? I mean, I guess if uh, I looked out my window and I saw Justin Trudeau or something, I'd go, oh, there he is. You know. Yeah. For those in the States or around the world, that's the Canadian Prime Minister. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who but, has a uh, reputation. Justin Trudeau wouldn't respond if everybody shouts no. out Justin. But say a person calls him by a name only his mother used yeah. to call him by. Right. You know, uh, that would like attract his attention. And, and I think that is what you see in this passage. Mm, um, okay, that's cool. Yeah. So, okay, this this man uh, then calls out to him. And, and what the people do, you, you know, because he's loud, they want to quiet him. Mm. And uh, maybe there's something uh, about like intercession to take from this. You know, if you cry out to Jesus and mm. if, you, if you stand for who Jesus really is, there will always be people... Uh, trying to discourage you, uh, trying to, to make you stop. Uh, but, but the th- first admirable, th- admirable thing this man does, he kind of, uh, you know, persists. And, right. and he cries out even uh, louder. Um, and he, he calls Jesus, but then people go, go up to him and say, okay, he is also now calling you. And, and what's significant about that, the healing that Jesus does in this passage is participatory. Mm. And, and I think all healing that Jesus does is participatory. Mm. Even God's creation was a participatory act. You know, it, mm. it was like God created things out of nothing, but he let Adam name those things. And, you know, uh, we are called to be co-creators. And, and when God right. heals us, he always uh, invites us to participate. And, and if you think about it, it, it would have been logical for Jesus to actually go up to the blind man. I mean, he's, he's blind for crying out loud. It's, it's very difficult to, to go to Jesus. But they tell this man, uh, Jesus wants him to, to come to him. And then he's on his feet. And he does the difficult thing of going up to Jesus. He participates in his own healing. Wow. Yeah. Um, I can certainly say that in my life, healing past scars, I've had to participate. Yeah, I've been been a participant. (laughs) Sometimes maybe not willing. Um, there's difficult it's difficult when you have something traumatic happen in your life to to uh, go down that road of being a participant with God and I had no idea at the time that I was being a I was participating with God I was just uh, there was some kind of compulsion moving me forward so yeah. I find that really interesting yeah so you know uh, there's something in us when when we have a 
uh, issue, you you know, that tells us like I'm the victim, I'm I'm the I'm the injured one year, right. you know, heal me, and we expect somebody else to do everything. Uh, my wife's a physiotherapist, and and she gets this a lot. You know, she can only do so much for a person in a session. Uh, then she gives that person exercises <laughs> to participate in his own healing, and, and and if that person doesn't do that, it it would be detrimental to his healing right. um, and and i guess this man could have said for crying out loud i'm blind how could i go up to jesus tell yeah. him to come here but he goes up to jesus and um, it says he's, he's on his feet um just to backtrack a little you know when it says jesus stopped the the greek literally says like jesus stood still and uh, I had a friend, he, he passed away already, but, but he, he used to say this is his favorite verse in the Bible. Hmm. To think that the Messiah stood still to attend to a blind beggar. Uh, put everything on hold, uh, even yeah. his life's mission to attend to a blind beggar. Really? Uh, the only other place where we read that Jesus stood is in the book of Acts. And that's when Stephen gets stoned and he gets this... Um, vision of heaven right? right and he sees christ standing up <laughs> paying attention wow. <laughs> you, you know so this is significant um you, you know jesus passed by many people uh, but he didn't pass by this man yeah. and uh, you know this is true for us all that that came to faith jesus stood still and and, and saved us and right. brought us to faith yeah um, It's like um, it's another it's another theme of the Bible, the upside down kingdom, because this is the man who was later hung by the Romans and had a sign that said "King of the Jews." Yeah, and no king would uh, pay attention to a beggar on the side of the road. Yeah. It's the other way around. Yeah, the the, the, the underling <laughs> would, yeah. would would always stop and attend to to the the higher ranking person. Yeah. So again, that upside up down dynamic of the kingdom, right? Um, okay, and then there's a, a small detail uh, that we could easily miss the significance of. Right. It says that this man dropped his cloak. Right. <laughs> so that, that sounds like a, a logical thing to do. But, you know, scholars argue that this cloak was actually a government-issued cloak given to only certain kinds of beggars. Uh, beggars were usually chased out of the city. But if a guy were like had a good reason to 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 beg, like being blind, uh, the government would actually issue uh, a cloak that designated this person as uh, somebody that has a license to beg. Hmm. Um, so you know, not only was this cloak the the way he collected the the the, the offerings that he got. Um, not only was it like a shelter against the cold, this was a lifeline to this man. Hmm. Um, and in, in one way, it, it kind of identified him as sure. a blind beggar. Sure, sure. But it also, in a way, hit who he really was, right? Yeah, it's kind of like today <laughs> you'd think of a, 
almost of a prison uniform or something with numbers on it yeah. or something. So if like, you see somebody in a prison u- uniform, you would kind of fixate on that one attribute of this person that, that he's a prisoner and right. and you would kind of struggle to see anything else. You you, yeah. you have to put in real effort. Sure. So if this man leaves his cloak, he, he, he kind of sheds his identity. It's his lifeline. That's yeah, right. yeah. He, he, he kind of departs from his security because okay now we can see right but what other skills did he acquire <laughs> you know how would he make a living and yeah. you, you know it, it would have been easy to, to kind of hang on to that coat cloak um but but you know he just leaves the cloak it reminds us of when jesus calls the disciples who were fishermen and and it it's almost exactly right. the same words, and they left their nets right, right. and followed Jesus. Yeah, another parallel story. Yeah. I mean, my, my head just keeps thinking about parallel stories to all this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Old Testament, um, you know, the, the people that were uh, knocking on the door for the oil, and they kept knocking and knocking and knocking. They said, all right, yeah. come and get it, you know. Yeah. The same with this guy begging and talking to Jesus, you know, another parallel story. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm thinking of, of the prophet Elijah when he was depressed, you know, and he wanted to quit. He, he kind of shed his cloak. Right. And the younger prophet could then, like, pick up that, ah. you know, so there's, uh, there's definitely parallels. And, right, and, right, and right. those would be interesting to, to explore. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but you know, let's, let's draw another parallel and think of what, what in our lives are our cloaks, you know, Dave? And I, yeah. I think um, we all have that one, like, thing that, that we do good and well or a position or a, a measure of status. Hmm. And and sometimes following Jesus uh, and and our own growth requires that we uh, kind of shed that you know <laughs> kind of leave that security behind and, mm-hmm. and come out and and be seen as something else. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I've thought about that a, a lot with being a musician, and you know, if if God calls me to put the guitar down and do something else, um, I mean that'd be interesting. You know, yeah, uh, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. I I myself like to, to to sometimes go into settings where people do not know I'm a pastor. Right. And kind of like just sure. remind myself how hard it could be to to like be a Christian when nobody expects you to be one. Yeah. <laughs> like no. when you're a pastor, you yeah, know, so my, being a pastor could be my cloak. <laughs> my friend, uh, I have a, a, a pastor that I used to know and he went to Harrison Hot Springs and was sitting in a hot tub with a guy and the guy started, started telling him all kinds of stories of debauchery and all yeah, this yeah. Kind of stuff, which if he knew it was a pastor, there's no way he would have. Yeah, told them about that. <laughs> yeah, no, there's there's interesting stories about pastors finding themselves in such uh, <laughs> settings. But but you know, yeah, the the title of pastor could be suffocating. It it, it could actually uh, prevent growth. And and right. you know, uh, we should all be wary of how tightly we cling to to these cloaks that that we all have. <laughs> yeah, it's food for thought. Yeah. So um, yeah. Uh, to close, uh, Dave, um, let's go back to those two questions. Who is Jesus and how do I relate to him? Now, if, if you look at the previous passage, the disciples stood before Jesus based on their own merit. 
You right. know, Jesus, we've been following you. Could you give us a place on your left and right side? Yeah. Uh, this man stood before Jesus just like based on his mercy. And yeah. he, he stood before Jesus from his like brokenness. Yeah, vulnerable. And vulnerability and need. And, uh, you know, Jesus uh, asked the disciples exactly the same question that he asked this man. What would you like me to do for you? Mm. But to the disciples, he said, no, I cannot do that. Right. To this man, he said, be healed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, if you ask, how can I relate to Jesus? Um, we have this way of, of standing before Jesus on our merit. Uh, Lord, I'm, I've been such a, a good guy. I, 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 <laughs> I gave my offering and, and uh, you know, I'm in church every Sunday. Would you just like come through for me uh, on this? <laughs> yeah. Instead of saying, Lord, I'm nothing but a beggar before you. I deserve yeah. nothing. I could claim no honor, um, but I'm I'm in need of wholeness. And, and, you know, how do we come to a point where we desire wholeness more than we desire privilege or position? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's just a, that's a human condition and constant struggle. I mean, you know, sometimes I just pray, God, let every footstep just be weary, wary of you and not wary, but let, let it be conscious of you, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's just, I, there's no way that I can... Yeah. possibly do that on my own but um, I, I was just thinking you know um, the disciples in the previous passage was as broken as this man as in need of Jesus as this man but their form of brokenness was kind of hidden right their arrogance you know it wasn't on display like this man's blindness <laughs> right and, and you get this with with addiction <clears throat> you would know well Dave like you you, you could like be a, a, a user of, of drugs and alcohol and, and, you know, to a point where it's really affecting your life, but, but you manage to hide it from yourself and others. And you mm -hmm. you magi imagine, uh, manage a degree of, of productivity, but then yeah. you come to that point where you cannot deny it. <laughs> right? Yeah, they call it a, in the world of alcoholism, they would call it a functioning alcoholic. Yes, yes. And, um... Yeah, it's interesting. We all have something, and it just manifests itself. That's my belief. It just manifests itself in different areas. Yeah. I mean, you know, the alcoholic who's on the street or the drug addict who's on the street, it's very visible, and you can see it. But, I mean, there's people walking down the same street with inside their, heart, and inside their hearts. There's, there's, a, there's darkness there, too. We just can't see it. Exactly. And, and you know, to, to call out to Jesus as as the healer, uh, the one who offers wholeness. And, you know, I, I wonder how many people, if they were honest and you asked them, would you rather like to win the lotto today or would you rather like to be fully whole? Mm. You know, I think a lot of people would actually say, well, if I win the lotto, it would cover up all my blemishes. <laughs> so I'll go for a lotto. Uh, yeah. uh, but, but, you know, to be whole is, is to be much that's that's the true lotto <laughs> and yeah. you know that is what jesus offers uh, is wholeness and it's a journey you know uh 
this man was healed instantly and, and sometimes when God touch our lives, something's just like heal instantly. But to most of us, it's, it's also kind of a journey. Mm. And, and even this man we read, he went on the road to follow Jesus, right? So, so his, his, right. his story did not end here. Yeah. Uh, and, and there was movement. So uh, just, just a note that true healing isn't like just an instant thing. It's usually a journey of following Jesus. Yeah, very few people just get touched and just turn around. It's, it's, uh, there's, there's always lingering after effects. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, once you confront an issue, there's a whole process to go through. Yes. Like, whatever it, whatever it is, and it can be a very long, and, you know, you can struggle down the road, and sometimes you breeze through it not too, uns, you know, unscathed. Yeah. Um, but it all starts with that acknowledgement, I'm in need of mercy. <laughs> yeah. I'm in need of wholeness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just to touch on that lottery thing. I mean, there's times in my life when I would have chosen the lottery over wholeness. Yeah. And, you know, the thing about my life that I've noticed is um, being confronted with myself in certain situations, I really don't know how I'm going to react. Do you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I've been in emergency situations and gone on automatic pilot, and I, and I look back and go, wow, that, look how I reacted to that situation. I, I helped a person who mm. was in need and distress, and I just did it automatically. Yeah. And then there's been other times when I've maybe been confronted with physical violence and acted like a coward. So, and, and then there's other times where I didn't act like a coward. You know, I never know how I'm going to react. It's yeah. just part of the human condition, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, you, you know, I would have loved to read how this man's journey uh, following Jesus went. Uh, for instance, yeah. we do know that, that every last one of Jesus' the Jesus' follows, followers deserted him when he when he got crucified, right? And that this would have included this man. Would have included me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and you know, uh, and then he, he would have come full circle uh, again. And and you know, uh, but but his journey did not end here. And and maybe we can close with this. Uh, I don't know where you are, dear listener. Uh, you might feel like I'm stuck beside mm. the road. You know, I, I don't feel like I'm getting through to Jesus, to, to, to my wife, my children. Uh, and, you know, just to, to know that, that Jesus stops for people mm. in need of mercy. Uh, yeah. that's, that's the hope that, that I can offer you today uh, from the Word of God and uh, carry that with you. <laughs> This has been City Center Church Podcast. My name is Dave Stanley Dow. I've been with Gabriel Snyman. And uh, yeah, if you want to reach us, we can be, you can contact us at uh, citycenterchurch.org. That's center spelt the Canadian way, C-E-N-T-R-E. Uh, God bless. We'll talk soon.